RadioInfluence.com. This is Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. A look inside the biggest and most controversial news stories you need to know now. One of the country's most relied upon law enforcement analysts, Vincent Hill. Good evening and welcome to Beyond the Badge. I'm your host, Vincent Hill. Today is Wednesday, May 15th, 2019. And there's a lot to cover. There was a shooting out in California. Officer-involved shooting that I want to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about how horribly, horribly wrong this shooting was. And I know you don't hear me say that much. Uh, Me being former law enforcement and me typically justifying just about every police shooting that the mainstream media uh, tries to twist and turn. Uh, But I want to talk about the shooting out in California. Uh, And there's some some audio of that I want to play. And I want to give you some background of that, of course, before I play the audio. It's going to be about two minutes worth of audio, but I think it's important that you hear the full audio that was captured on body cam. Uh, But I want to talk about that shooting. Of course, someone is dead in this shooting. Uh, But first, I want to talk about a shooting in Savannah where someone is dead. And that story didn't make the news because it didn't fit the mole of what you would want to see in the mainstream media, in the narrative. Uh, But before that, you know, I I told you a couple of weeks ago uh, that I would be... On Court TV, uh, Court TV relaunched. Go to CourtTV.com to find out where you can watch. Uh, And I was on Court TV last night. Uh, There was a trial here in Georgia, uh, in Covington, Georgia. It's about 30 miles outside of Atlanta, uh, where Christopher McNabb and Courtney Bell were on trial for the murder of their 15-day-old baby, little baby Kalia. Uh, She was Uh, allegedly kidnapped out of her home and then found just a short distance from her home uh, with her skull bashed in. uh, Pretty graphic stuff. Um, Yesterday, a jury found uh, both of them guilty uh, of her murder. Christopher McNabb was charged with malice murder and felony murder. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Uh, Courtney Bell was convicted of second-degree murder and deprivation of a child, which simply means you did not, you deprived the child of the things they need to survive, i.e. substance, safe living environment, things of that nature. Uh, so last night we rehashed that case on court TV. The verdict came in um, probably about 4.30 or so yesterday. Uh, the trial was pretty quick. Uh, the deliberations were really quick. It was about an hour and five minutes worth of jury deliberations. And then the judge came, he got the verdict formed, and he said, well, you guys are guilty on on all charges, all eight for Christopher McNabb and all three for Courtney Bell, and that was pretty much it. And he sentenced them to their sentence uh, just a few minutes later. And, you know, a lot of people were uh, saying, well, how could the jury come back with a verdict this fast? Well, anytime you're talking about a little baby, you know, you're not talking about someone that died because of gun gun violence, gang violence, I should say, uh, who was in that life. When you're talking about an innocent baby and you're telling the jury how the parents were getting high on meth the night before and, 
you have testimony from people who said, well, instead of going to look for their baby, because, again, she was allegedly kidnapped from the home while they were asleep on the couch, mind you. Instead of going to look for your baby, uh, you wanted to go get some meth. So I think the jury was just there. I think they already had their minds made up, you know, when they went back in that jury room to deliberate. I think maybe it just took an hour and five minutes because maybe they were eating or something. But I think their decision was made up. And, and quite frankly, um, there was no other evidence, you know, because the defense said, you know, uh, Christopher McNabb, McNabb had a beef with someone he had gotten into a fight with. Unfortunately, well, fortunately for that guy, he was actually locked up when baby Khalid went missing. Uh, and then they tried to say it was another person. But, you know, there was no sign of a break in. And again, you know, someone breaking into your home, stealing your child uh, just to take her 300 yards from your place in a bag that's your bag and a shirt that's your shirt with your DNA just to kill her. It just wasn't feasible. Uh, so, you know, anytime you're talking about a child, the jury just they don't play around. They don't like to hear that stuff. Uh, pretty sad case, really sad case. Baby Kalia, if you look at her picture, Kalia McNabb, she was such a beautiful, beautiful little baby. Uh, but, you know, she's no longer here because her parents chose meth over raising their daughter. Anyway, go to CourtTV.com. Find out where you can watch. It's on cable. You can live stream. You can catch me there. I'm back a week from today, Wednesday night. Uh, the show is called... Uh, Closing arguments with Vinnie Politan. Of course, Court TV runs throughout the day with other programming, but that's usually the show I will be on. I, um, closing arguments with Vinnie Politan from 7.30 to 9 o'clock Eastern Time. All right, moving on from that. Um, so there was a shooting in Savannah uh, that happened a couple of days ago. Um, very sad case. Uh, black male was shot and killed. And... You know how I feel about these. We never really hear about it uh, unless it fits a certain uh, narrative uh, for for whatever reason, reasons for the mainstream media, whether it's ratings, whatever. You call it what, whatever you like. Um, but, you know, that's just factual. You know, it may make the local news, but it never really gets the attention it needs. But uh, there was an individual, Kelvin uh, Ansari, who was shot and killed in Savannah uh, two days ago, 50-year-old uh, veteran. And when I say veteran, I mean military veteran. But more importantly, uh, he was a police officer. He was actually uh, investigating, I believe, a robbery uh, when he was shot and killed. Um, and just like that, his life was taken. Uh, the suspected shooter was a 49-year-old Edward Fuller Jr., uh, he was shot and killed by police. So uh, not only is it tragic that this officer lost his life protecting and serving, it's tragic that his family won't get justice because now, you know, the individual that is responsible for this is uh, dead and gone too. And I'm sure, you know, there'll be arguments from his family, you know, that police didn't have to respond a certain way. They didn't have to shoot or anything like that. But, you know, it's what I always say. You respond with too deadly force with deadly force. But yeah, I think it's still a bigger issue that we need to have in this country about 
attacks against police officers, attacks on police officers. And, you know, the fact that that job is the most dangerous job there is in the world, you know, any given second, you can be taken away. And that's just proof of it right there. Uh, So since the mainstream media didn't honor uh, Sergeant Kelvin Ansari of the Savannah Police Department, I want to take this moment right now and honor him and thank him for his service and my prayers, of course, to his family, to the Savannah Police Department, his brothers and sisters in blue who are now in mourning along with his family because they are family as well. And quite frankly and honestly, my prayers to the family of his shooter because they too are dealing with the loss of their loved one, although albeit it was self-inflicted, if you will, they too are dealing with the loss of a loved one here. So um, prayers out to everybody there in Savannah, Georgia. I just wanted to get that out there. Now, I want to talk about this this shooting um, in California. And um, it occurred, I believe, in Anaheim. Yeah, it was in Anaheim. Uh, Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m. Um, you know, most people, Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m., they're either sleeping, walking the dog, going for their morning jog, getting their Starbucks, their Schwarmer, whatever they're doing on a Saturday morning, uh, but they don't expect to be caught in the crosshairs of a drive-by shooting, all right? Now, when I say drive-by shooting, I'll get to what I mean there. So uh, police got a call about a individual uh, armed with the gun, right? So, of course, when police get those calls, they're required to respond. Okay, everything's on the up and up right now. You respond. So, vehicle description's given out. Uh, Police arrive. The vehicle, the individual in the vehicle begins to flee. So, police begin to chase. Okay, everything, again, on the up and up. But here's where I think it went horribly wrong in this audio. You'll hear the police while giving pursuit, which, again, is totally within the realm. You got probable cause to believe this person is armed because people have called and said, hey, he's armed with a gun. You have him fleeing when you show up. So there's a probability that A, he is armed. B, he knows he's not supposed to be armed and he needs to flee. Pursuit. Totally by the book. But you know what? Let me just play the audio for right now, and then we'll get back to this. Stop. Hey, stop. Stop the car. Stop the car, dude. I got it. I got it. I got it. One Adam 22, southbound west. Failed yield. Hello, Give us some distance here. Give us some distance. He's got it. I think he's got it. 417 out the window. Northbound alley, 
Puckwell's pointing the gun backwards at us and then at himself. Both officers 998, so far code 4, we are eastbound. Oh, uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Too much traffic here, buddy. Hold on, hold on. Don't take a shot, don't take a shot. Okay, he'll okay, okay. us. Keep in front of us. Alright. I'm low on ammo. Do you have a 9? Yes. Give me one. Subject is hit. We know he's bleeding. Alright, do you think, hold on your window. You think you can dump him if I come to the side? Or do you not want to do that? If you're not comfortable, I get it. So that was the audio from the body cam. Now, if you go watch this video, and I urge you to do it, uh, a total, I think, 76 shots were fired uh, between those two officers. Now, somewhere in that video, in that audio, I should say, you heard one of the officers, his words, not mine, oh, fuck, shit. And the reason he said that, because glass had ricocheted back into him, but it wasn't because... The suspect was shooting in glass ricocheted from where the patrol car was shot. No, those shots you heard, the driver of the vehicle, the driver of the police cruiser, was firing through the windshield that entire time. And you even hear him say, I'm low on ammo, do you have a nine? And that's because his partner had, I believe it was an AR-15, that he was trying to extend out the window to shoot at this vehicle. So I don't even know where to begin with this. Now, I don't know what the policy of the Anaheim Police Department is, but I know a lot of departments, especially the one I worked on, Nashville Police, uh, it's against department policy to fire from a moving vehicle, whether it's from inside the moving vehicle while you're moving or extending your gun outside the window and shooting, right? Now, keep in mind, yeah, they got a call that he was armed, and I'll, I'll get to that. That's all cool. They were legally obligated to investigate. They had a legal reason, probable cause to chase. But when I watched this video, I was in total awe. I had never seen anything like it. The officer driving, firing while he's driving through the windshield, glasses ricocheting back into his face. He's turning the steering wheel with his right hand, which had the gun in it, which means at any time he probably could have shot himself, shot his partner. So there's that. And then, of course, they're moving. 
He's firing through a windshield while the car is turning, while it's going in and out of this residential neighborhood at 9.30 on a Saturday morning where kids could be riding bikes, grandma could be out watering the lawn, grandpa could be out checking the mail, so many other things that could have gone wrong here. So then you finally hear the siren stops. That means the pursuit was over, right? And then more shots, more shots, more shots. The officers approach the car and you can hear the officer say, he's good, meaning, oh, I think this dude is dead. He's not moving. He's good. But right after you hear him say he's good, he fires three more shots directly into the individual in the car, in the truck. So out of all of this, yes, he was armed. It was. It ended up being an air pistol, but it looks like an authentic nine millimeter pistol. When you look at it, if you look at the photograph of it that Anaheim police released, it does look like a pistol. So I can definitely understand that the officers believe there was an imminent threat against their lives. Now, according to them, it's not captured on the body cam, and I don't know if there's dash cam. According to them, he was pointing the gun towards their car out the window while he was driving away. Is it possible? Absolutely. Have people shot at police while they're going for that? Or while they're trying to get away? Absolutely. But does that mean you continue to chase and get close? Or do you back up? Try to get cover? Do you try to call ahead for backup to try to possibly use spike strips in the pursuit? I don't know. There's probably a few things that these officers could have done other than firing 76 shots. So the guy that was driving fired a total of 64 shots, and the majority of those were through his windshield while he was moving in a neighborhood Sunday, Saturday morning at 930 well, there's, I'm sure, probably people out. And then the other guy who had the rifle fired 12 shots while some of those while the vehicle was moving. So you, you have a, a nine millimeter Glock because you could hear he say, hey, I'm low on ammo. Do you have a nine? Which means I need ammo for my nine millimeter. And then um, the other officer who's shooting with a rifle all the while outside this vehicle. Now, if you, if you have a, a, a stationary target and you have a clear backdrop, and what that means is you see your target, you, you're stationary, you can see ahead of you, you can see to your peripherals, there's nobody possibly in the way that if you fire in that direction and you miss and you hit something, you could kill someone else. Now, if you have a stationary target with a clear backdrop and you're not in a vehicle pursuit and I don't know what the speeds of the chase were. I don't think that was released. I'm sure it will be because I'm sure uh, this individual's family is uh, Mr. Nava, I believe was his name. I'm sure his family's going to sue and I'll, I'll talk about what the district attorney said here in a bit. But yeah, you got the clear shot. The guy's armed with the gun, whether it's a air pistol that you can't tell from a few distance away or whether it's a real pistol, you're definitely not going to wait for him to decide to shoot. If you believe that imminent threat is there, you're going to pull the trigger. But in a pursuit with people around 
and through the windshield and glass ricocheting. So let me let me let me flip it. Let me take it a little big picture here. So let's say that that glass that ricocheted and you can hear him say, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Let's say that glass went into his eye. Right now, this officer is in a high speed pursuit. And now he has glass in his eye and he can't see. And there just happens to be someone walking across the street who doesn't hear the siren for whatever reason. They're deaf. They have the AirPods in whatever reason he can't see to stop. He hits them or he gets glass in in his eye. He veers off the road, runs into a house at a high rate of speed, kills the grandfather that's sitting on the recliner as the car comes through the crashing through the house. There were just so many things wrong with this shooting here. Again, I, I, I get the beginning of it. You get a call. Dude's got a gun. He's threatening people. Cool. You show up. You investigate it. You show up. The dude gets in the car. He takes off. You chase. Cool. I get it. I've done that a hundred times. Probably more than that. I get it. But you never... And that's why a lot of departments have to specify in their policies, you never, ever, 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 ever shoot from a moving vehicle at a moving target because there's so many other people you can hit other than the person you're trying to hit. Now, out of those 76 shots, I believe he was only shot nine times. So... I'm not making light of how many times he was shot. It's not a laughing matter, but do the math. 76, 9. Where the heck did the other 60-something bullets end up? Where in the heck did they end up? Think about that. They could have ended up in someone's living room, someone's car, someone's tree, someone's backyard. Thankfully, as far as we know, No civilians were hurt during this, i.e. no one went to the hospital for a gunshot based on a a stray bullet. I mean, I've seen a lot of results of a drive-by shooting, and this is exactly what this was. In my opinion, it was a drive-by shooting. You know, drive-by shootings, they typically will just put the gun out the car, start shooting in a general direction. And when you watch this video... That's exactly what that was. In my opinion, it was a drive-by shooting where the officer was shooting through the windshield. He wasn't shooting, even shooting outside the vehicle, not realizing that, hey, this glass could probably ricochet back into my face, (laughs) which is what happened. You heard him. You heard him say it. Ouch, ouch. O-F. He said it. So the district attorney, Orange County District Attorney, Todd Spitzer, made a statement about it on, I believe, earlier today, as a matter of fact, uh, regarding the video and what it showed. And prosecutors, while finding the officers, ultimately acted legally because of the threat of what they believe to be a real gun in the hands of a man high on narcotics because they say uh, they tested his blood and he came up high on meth. Okay, great. Took the unusual step of questioning the officer's behavior. This is what they're saying that the... Uh, district attorney did. Now, this is a statement from the district uh, attorney. It says the fact that the two involved officers just charged their weapon 76 times from a moving patrol car 
at Nova's moving car at approximately 9.30 a.m. on a Sunday morning in a residential neighborhood where residents, including children, were home and on the streets was alarming and irresponsible based on the totality of all the circumstances in this specific case. The conclusion that all of the available evidence is insufficient to warrant the filing of criminal charges against the two officers should not in any way diminish the fact that the this office is alarmed by the conduct of those officers. So one of the guys, one of the officers, uh, was actually on probation. Wow, this just gets better and better. So the driver, the one that did the most shooting, uh, Officer Kevin Peterson, was terminated as part of his probation, which, you know, you have a probationary period after you're hired and after you conducted your field training that, you know, if you screw up in any way, shape or form during that probationary period, you can be fired. So I didn't even know that the guy that was calling the shots, the one driving the car, was still on probation. But that kind of makes sense because I don't think a seasoned rookie or a seasoned veteran, I should say, would have done that. But I could be wrong because the other officer, the one that had the rifle, who was a passenger, Officer Sean Staymates, was a 10 year veteran. And he's facing potential disciplinary charges and remains on administrative leave. So you you have a rookie because he's still on probation. So I'd, I'd say he'd probably been on the department less than a year. Then you have a guy that's been on 10 years who probably in that 10 years that we know of has never once thought of firing a shot from a moving vehicle. And he never once told the guy on probation, hey, man. We shouldn't be doing this. This is either against policy, it's dangerous, all of that stuff. You only hear one time, one time, and I urge you, because I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. Please, please go watch this video. You only hear one time the officer who's driving saying, okay, don't shoot. There's people, there's people. Well, what about the other 50 or 60 shots you've already fired into the, in, just into space? I'm sure during that pursuit, at some point, there were people around while you were still shooting. Not just the one time you happened to see them because maybe you were coming around a corner or maybe someone was walking across the street and you just happened to catch them in your peripheral. There were people around the entire time. So it just it, it, it's mind-blowing, A, that this happened, B, that one of the officers was on probation, because I assure you, they didn't teach that in the academy. And then the other officer was was a seasoned veteran. Uh, I, yeah, I don't get it. But I would urge you seriously to um, go look at the video and, you know, judge for yourself. You know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just looking at it wrong. Maybe police tactics have changed over the years. But um I've never seen anything like that. And if you ask anybody that's been in law enforcement, the tactics on that, the safety on that, everything was so wrong. So, yeah, Mr. Nova was struck nine times. So, again, do the math. 76 rounds struck nine times. And I believe those nine, uh, at least seven of those occurred after the pursuit stopped. Because you can account for three after he says 
he's good, he's good. And then they shoot him three more times. So, you know me, I'm pro police all the way, but I got to call it like I see it. This was a bad shoot, bad shoot in my opinion. Uh, and although they won't be criminally charged, you just, you know, I read the statement from the district attorney, they won't be criminally charged, but whew, I, I smell a civil lawsuit coming. I really do. And I can't say that I would blame the family one bit. I can't even say I would, you know, have any ill will uh, if, if that was to happen. Um, only thing I do wish is it would have got the same coverage if the individual would have been a different demographic. Uh, this individual was Hispanic uh, and it never really made mainstream media again. You know, if we're going to tell stories, if we're going to be journalists, we should be telling all stories. We should be unbiased uh, in our reporting. But that's neither here nor there. That's why I talk about these cases here on Beyond the Badge. Um, but, yeah, I, I truly believe that the family, uh, if they haven't already, uh, will be filing a civil suit against uh, the city of Anaheim. And if I was a taxpayer in An Anaheim, California, as if their taxes aren't re already out the roof. Uh, I would be really, 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 really upset that I would have to pay for this lawsuit that it's gonna cost the city because this is gonna cost quite a bit, mark my words. All right, we're out of time. I gotta get ready to call it a night. I got things to do, um, like sleep. But uh, before I go, of course, it is time for my 10-7 segment. Uh, tonight, I want to honor Kelvin uh, Ansari. Sergeant Kelvin L uh, Ansari was shot and killed as he attempted to apprehend a robbery suspect. He and other officers had responded to a robbery that occurred at a barbershop in the 2300 block of Bull Street. The suspect was believed to have left the area but was inside a nearby vehicle. As Sergeant Ansari checked the area, the man exited and opened fire on him and another officer, striking them both. The, sub the subject fled into a nearby residential area uh, where he was found a short time later, hiding in a shed. As responding officers ordered him to surrender, he exited the shed and opened fire again. He was fatally wounded by return gunfire. Sergeant Ansari had retired from the U.S. Army and had served with the Savannah Police Department for 10 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. A veteran who protected this country, an officer who protected these streets, the streets of Savannah, an officer who lost his life senselessly because somebody didn't want to go to jail. That's my time for tonight. As always, I thank you so much for listening. Catch me on Court TV. Again, go to CourtTV.com to find out where you can watch. Court TV is back, baby. It's back. We're covering the biggest trials in the country. Coming up, Kalen Winslow, uh, the former NFL player who's charged with several counts of rape and sexual assault. Uh, we'll be covering that on Court TV. Catch me there next week, Wednesday night. Be there. CourtTV.com. All right, I'm out of here. I want to thank you again for listening. I'll see you same time, same place right here next week. Radioinfluence.com. Good night. To continue the conversation, get updates on the show, and to find out when you can see him on television, 
Follow Vincent on Twitter at Vincent Hill TV. That's at Vincent Hill TV. This has been Beyond the Badge on Radio Influence. This is a dark to light with Frank and Beans Quick Fix on Radio Influence. A lot of people are talking about Huber, and you know, there was all that talk about those whistleblowers that came forward, and Huber's supposed to be looking at the Clinton Foundation, and they didn't even look at their information, and blah, blah, blah. And they were using that as some kind of indication that Huber's not doing anything. Maybe Huber's got all his own information and didn't really need theirs. You know, he's running his own investigation. Maybe the stuff that those guys brought were things they already knew. Yeah. If those guys can figure it out, why can't anyone else? I mean, they testified in that in that hearing that they did that they were there when the planes were landing in in Little Rock, picking up all those plane loads of documents from the Clinton Foundation. We have not heard a peep out of him, and I'm okay with it because I feel like he's doing a lot behind the scenes, and you're not supposed to hear a peep. You guys didn't have any idea that Durham was doing what he was doing until we heard it in public, and he was investigating for a really long time. You know what, Tracy? What I've learned from all this, and I, it's, it's really not my area of expertise. That's why I love sitting back and listening to people lay out all the pieces. But the one thing I have learned from all of this is that you can tell – when people are investigating something that is actionable. It's very easy to tell at this point for me when there's an investigation going on where there is real somethings there to discover because no one is saying a damn thing. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, because we've had our fair share of bullshit investigations that we have been able to be to bear witness to over the last couple of years. It's a, a constant leaky sieve. It's a constant a constant flow of leaks to the media to make sure that the public is on edge and that they are speculating and that they are thinking certain things so that even if the investigation doesn't yield the results that the public starts to even hope for, they'll still be able to live with the suspicion. Dark to Light with Frank and Beans can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.